of faith. This is my Bible. It is the word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble for the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. In the book of Luke chapter uh, 6, verse 35 and 36, you'll find these words. It says, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting, somebody say acting, you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he, the Most High, is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. So if we do those things that he requires of us, then we'll be acting like we're his children. And one of the things about our father, he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Man, he put a lot on us. It's all right to be kind for some folks that just won't tell you. Thank you. But you got to be genuine. You got to be kind to the to the wicked. Amen. Then he says, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, this is going to be our third sermon. We probably got one more week. We'll deal with this. Uh, in this little series that we have entitled Agents of Kindness. Said my encourage and exhort us to personify God's kindness in the world by being agents of kindness. In other words, part of the AOK force. Amen. Y'all remember that? I said as an organized body, we are to display and represent God's kindness in the world. I said an agent by definition of the person who acts on behalf of a another person or group. In our case, we're acting on behalf of God. Kindness is the quality of being considerate, friendly, gracious, and generous. A state of being that includes the attributes of loving affection, sympathy, empathy, patience, pleasantness, goodness, and courteous. Kindness is the opposite of being neglectful, harsh, rude, sharp, bitter, resentful, and indifferent. And I said, kindness is a quality that is shown in the way a person speak, whether it's verbal or written, or act. And it is more volitional, a matter of your will, than emotional. So your feelings ain't got nothing to do with you being kind. Sometimes it's our feelings that keep us from being kind. See, genuine kindness that is rooted in love uh, goes far beyond the mere pre pretense of politeness. Genuine kindness will often demand our personal time, our personal talents, and our personal treasure. And so my prayer is that as agents of kindness that we will meet the demand of genuine kindness 
that God has placed on us. And, and, and I want you at your leisure to go back and listen to the other two parts of this series because I believe you can connect the dots, you get a better understanding. Amen? So today we're going to continue our journey on this uh, mission and, and this as agents of kindness in Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. And in Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 1 through 4, you find these words. It says, now look, it says, my, my child, never forget the things I have taught you. Somebody say, I have taught you. See, when you come to church on Sunday, you're being taught. And so the intent is for you never to forget the things that you have been. And once you leave here, it is to your advantage if you apply the things that you have been. He says, store my commands in your heart. Heart here is not just talk about where your, you know, the, the beat that goes on in your chest will pump blood through your body, but heart here is also talking about your mind. Keep my commands and store them in your heart. Now look what he says, put a condition here. He says, if you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. If you keep what I'm teaching you, put it in your heart and use it in your daily life, it's a good possibility you may live longer. Amen. And you will have a satisfying life. Then he says some absolutes. He says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Never. Somebody say never. He says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder and write them deep in your heart. Now look at this. So I brought these up here just to show you. It's like he's trying to get us to say, if this is loyalty and this is kindness, if you will put these things around your neck, and every time you get ready to be rude to somebody, you'll be looking down at loyalty and kindness to remind you of how you're supposed to act. See, God give us symbols sometimes to re remind us. He says, tie them around your neck as a reed. Your wedding band is a reed. So whenever your husband or your wife is not with you, you have something to read. That no matter where you are, you still marry. See, sometimes we need real. Because if we don't be reminded of something, we can act out of character. So he says, now, wear them around your neck as a reminder and, and write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and Man, when you walk around with these around your neck and you have them deep in your heart, you can get along with folk. <laughs> y'all don't say amen. See, some of y'all need to hear this right here. And we got plenty of these little medals. And if you need one, I don't mind even just give you one. So you can walk around with it when you go to job tomorrow so you know just how kind you're supposed to be. Just how loyal you're supposed to be. You say you hate the job. 
but you're going there tomorrow. And I just want you to be when you get there. Be loyal. I can look at some of y'all face. Y'all need this. Because y'all glad it's Thanksgiving week. You don't even want to. <laughs> loyal and kind. He says, now when you tie these things around your neck and you wear them and you remind them, then guess what? You will have favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Wow, your kindness and your loyalty can impact your reputation. Amen. And you're living in a time now where you need to have a good reputation. It's important for you to live like God wants you to live so that you can have a and part of that living involves kindness. Amen. I said this last week, this is the week of kindness. Thanksgiving. And next month is definitely the month of kindness. I mean, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to live out this message in the next 30 days. In fact, you know, the season of shopping start on Friday. Some of y'all are going to be kindly up and at it early on Friday morning. And I just want you to be kind to someone while you're out there. You've been waiting in line for it, but don't fight for it. Amen. And if you're going to buy something, buy something for somebody other than yourself. And maybe a family. Buy something for someone that may need something that you can afford to buy. We can display Kindness. Amen? Let me move on. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 31. Let me go back there for a minute. This proverb describes and defines a wife of noble character. And as the writer described this awesome homemaker and businesswoman, we see that in the midst of her powerful work ethics and her homemaking skills, she appears to be somewhat demanding but she is not harsh or rude. In other words, homegirl can give orders to her servants without being rude, without being harsh, because she can give instruction with kindness to her children as well as those who work for her. So we can learn something from this I know this is Proverbs 31 is about women, and I know it ain't Mother's Day. But the principle here can work for men, too, now. But since it is talking about a woman, I guess I'll just keep it in its proper context and speak to the women. Can I get an amen, ladies? I think some women in here. <laughs> okay, I'm just being bad. Look at She says, she is clothed with strength. In other words, lady, you don't have to be weak. And if a man can't handle you being strong, he may not be the right man for you. She is clothed with it. I mean, she put it on. She got on strength and dignity. You know, she know how to carry herself. You know, she ain't going to go out and do shameful 
thing. And she's clothed with that. And sometimes brothers are intimidated by women who got strength and, and dignity. We can handle the floozy, but we can't handle strength and And she laughs without fear of the future. In other words, she lives in a way because of her confidence that she don't worry about what tomorrow brings. Because she knows who holds tomorrow. So there's no fear in her about the future. See, when you get a woman like that, she's confident enough so that when you cut the food, she's going to live on without you. She ain't got no fear that you're going to come home and say, well, look, I'm just out of here. Okay. See you, and I wouldn't want to be you. Ladies, I'm trying to help some. Y'all got some friends out there that need to hear this. You need to tell them they need to be, let that fool go if the fool want to go. If you're a fool, now I'm not, I'm not telling you no voice, nobody, but if you, if you got a fool that's mistreating you, beating you, and doing all type of crazy stuff to you, you better look toward, forward to the future with confidence that you can make it. And this ain't for none of y'all in here, this is for some of y'all friends. So y'all just getting this message so y'all can share with somebody. To let them know that they can make it better sometime by them. When she speaks, her words are wise. So therefore, she ain't crazy. She understands certain things, and she has wisdom that comes from above. And she gives instruction with kindness. See, we have painted you all, ladies, as naggers. We mislabel you. You just got to let us know that you're giving us instructions with kindness. That's all I'm doing, baby. I'm just giving you something with kindness. This ain't nagging. You don't need to go on the rooftop and live in the far corner of the house. I am giving you something with kindness. Amen. And so, ladies, if the house is yours, then you got to rule it well. And every now and then, you just got to give him and them some in with kindness. If you need one of these, you can have one. <laughs> this will remind you, I'm not going to nag him today. I am going to give him some in with kindness. Boom. I hope that made some sense to somebody. If not in here online, I hope somebody online out there who may be at home nagging your husband right now, and you just heard me say this. You just tell him, baby, these are instructions with kindness. Because I need you to get that done. These are instructions with kindness. Tell your children, baby, mama got some instructions for you, and I'm giving to you with all right, let me move on, let me move on. 
Let me move on. Okay, it got quiet right there. It got quiet right there, but it's okay. That means learning is taking place. You're absorbing what I'm saying. In the book of Job, Job chapter 6, got a lengthy passage I'm going to read here, but uh, it got a powerful message in it. Here we find Job, and Job was a, at a very, very low place in his life. You know, God had allowed Satan to come in and test Job. You know, Job lost his children, lost his possession, lost his wealth. And, 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 and Job was in a place now where he would rather die than live. And you know, Satan had went to God and said, you know, the only reason Job worshiped you and the only reason Job lived in such a way and lived in such high esteem and honor you is because you have never allowed him to be touched. If you take your hands off of him, he will curse you to your face. And, and God took his hands off Job for a season to allow the enemy to come in and torment and attack Job. And, 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 and Job had gotten to the point, you know, early on he had, his wife had told him, you know, man, you're in such bad shape, you ought to just curse God. And Well, he told her, you know, she just didn't know what she was talking about, so he kept pressing. Then he had some friends to come see him. You know, by this time, Job then lost his appetite, you know, and started trying to justify and complaining that he didn't deserve to go through what he was going through. Job had gotten to a point of despair and, and deep depression. And, 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 and one thing that Job was expecting from his friends when they came, it's the thing that they didn't give him. Job was looking for a little bit of kindness. And, and what I want to tell you is some of you got friends out there who are going through some things, and they may be contemplating doing some things to themselves. And when you talk to them, they don't need criticism. They don't need your complaints. They don't need you putting them down. They just need you to be kind. Job was expecting kindness. But what he got was criticism. What he got was something that didn't involve empathy nor sympathy from his friends. You know, sometimes when you're going through, your friends can be your worst enemy. Now, some of y'all got good friends, but sometimes friends who don't understand and, and, and who don't have a clue of what you're dealing with, but because of their relationship with you, they will come at you from a way, in a way that definitely don't help you. And so you got to know, and I'm talking to some of you who got a friend, there's some people out there that you know that during this time of the year, do you know that Thanksgiving and Christmas is the time when most people contemplate committing suicide? It's a time of year that if you don't have people that you're accustomed to being around and, and you lost loved ones during this season and, and you feel like your life is hopeless, that's when people start thinking about, maybe I'll be just better off dead. Now, it used to be a time, this was just kind of an adult thing, but now, look here, children are thinking this way. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that if you've got people in your life, you've got children in your life, you need to pay attention to how they're conducting themselves, how they're living, how they're speaking, how they're eating, because all those things can tell you where their state of mind is. And when you determine that something is not right with them, you need to be able to show Kindness. Look at this. 
in verse 89 of Job chapter 6, he says this, and I want you to see in this, this prayer while he's in the midst of depression. He says, oh, that I might have my request, that God would grant my desire. I wish he would crush me. I wish he would reach out his hand and kill me. Now, this is a man who knew God. This is a man who walked in God's favor. But all of a sudden, now life has come at him in such a way that he would rather die than live. There are people out there today who are so down and who are such, such a low place that they feel like the best thing for them is death than life. And I'm telling you, when God brings some of those people across your path, that's going to be an opportunity for you to be, to be kind. You got some family members, you got some coworkers. You know, people are in this community are committing suicide every And there are people around them who, after the fact, say, I should have seen the signs. Now, you should have been. You're looking for a sign when you just should have been. Now, look what Job says in, in some consolidation, 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 consolation. You know, Mo, you like EJ. EJ told me I shouldn't have said genuine. I'm supposed to say genuine. And I told him I'm from Alabama, and genuine and genuine is the same thing. <laughs> now look at this. He says in verse 10, at least I can take comfort in this. Despite the pain, I have not denied the words of the Holy One. In, in the middle of all he was going through, he said that he still did not deny who God was. In the midst of his lowest point, when he was thinking about God crushing him and killing him, he still did not. In other words, Job was thinking about death, but he wasn't going to kill himself. He wasn't going to kill himself. He wanted God to kill him. And so what I'm trying to get you to see is that sometimes people are not where Job is. They make those threats and they will sometimes carry it out and kill. Job wanted it, but he didn't want to do it. His hopelessness in verse 11 through 13 or so, he says this, but I don't have the strength to endure. I have nothing to live for. Look here, I tell people all the time, man, if, if you are in a tough situation and you got children, you got something to live for. You got something to live for. When life gets tough, take the emphasis off of you and focus on your children. And just say, Lord, I'm just going to live for them. That's the only reason. If it wasn't for them, I would be gone right now. But because of them, I want to Sometimes when you get in a low place, you got to figure out how you can live beyond yourself. You, you got to take all the emphasis off of you and put your focus on something. You, you can only go, woe is me, for so long. Sooner or later, if woe is me is causing you to want to kill you, 
then you need to start focusing on somebody else. He says, do I have the strength of a stone in verse 12? Is my body made of bronze? In other words, Job was letting us know just like us, he's just a human being, flesh and blood. I, I can only take so much, God. I, I, I'm not a piece of granite. I'm not bronze. I can only take so much. Understand this, when you're dealing with people and it's time for you to be kind, when you're criticizing and, and, and doing all kind of things to people with your mouth and your action, your words, your deeds and all that, they can only take. Some of you who are married, your wife or your husband can only take so much. And you need to realize that you're married to a person that's not a piece of granite, not bronze. He can only take so much. She can only take, brothers, so much. And you need to understand that, and when you realize that, then you always have this around your neck that I need to be kind, and lawyer, especially in marriage. You need to be kind and you need to be loyal to the person you're married to. Look at verse 13. He says, no, I am utterly helpless without any chance of success. In other words, Job didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Job thought himself as without any possibility of ever getting better. Now, I didn't have time to go to the end of the book, but if you read the whole, chap uh, the whole book of Job, you'll know this was just one place in his life. Life got better. But right now, he's going through, and the people that is there to help him, not much help. He says, now, after he was saying this to his word, when he said that, I am without any chance of success. Then he says this, verse 14, when he talks about a lack of kindness. He says, now look, one should be kind to a fainting friend. But you accuse me without any fear of the Almighty. Talking to his friend. Man, I'm going through. You guys have traveled all this way to see me. At least you could be while I'm going through. You know, it is just wrong for you to be unkind to a friend when that friend is going. And sometimes, even if that friend is your husband or your wife, it is rude and wrong for you to be unkind when they're going Now look at this. You know, he come at him kind of hard. Job, you know, still had a, a way of saying some things here. And I hope y'all get this picture that he's trying to paint. In verse 15, he says, My brothers, you have proved as unreliable as a seasonal brook that overflows its bank in the spring when it is swollen with ice and melting snow. But when the hot weather arrives, the water disappears. 
the brook vanishes in the heat. He, see, he's letting you know that some of y'all can't be unreliable friends. You just can't be a friend when everything is going good. When the water is flowing, the snow is melting, and everybody's in a season of their life where everything is a-okay. You just can't be a friend during that time and be kind when everything. You got to be a friend when the when stuff starts drying, when it starts getting hot, when the seasons start to change in people's lives, and it go from that nice, you know, fresh water running, and now it's in the middle of the summer when you need that friend, they are nowhere to be. Some of y'all are friends in the wrong season. You're friends with people right now who don't really need you, your friendship. And you think you're okay. But then there's going to come a time when they really need your friendship. When they're really expecting you to be a friend. When things are starting to get hot in their life. And they look around and you're as useless and unreliable as a seasonal brook. You just dried up. Here I am in the desert of my life. Charlie, all I need is a little bit of water. And you done dried up. Just done evaporated. Gone. I ain't trying to guilt nobody, but if the Spirit reminds you, man, some of y'all done abandoned y'all friends when they really needed you. When they were really going through something. You was there in the good days. But when life came. And they really needed you. Were you there? And for those of you who've never been there. Maybe one day you're going to be there. And this message is for you. Now everything is going well in their lives. But the season will. Because the Bible is clear. The season will change. And it rains on the just and the unjust. Storm comes in everybody's lives. So the season will change. Even in your life, the season is going to change. And when those seasons change, you want to have a reliable friend that will be closer than a brother. Job said his friends proved to be unreliable because the hot weather came and they disappeared. Look what happens when people who are supposed to be reliable disappear. He says the caravans turn aside to be refreshed. But there is nothing to drink, so they die. Man, look here, don't let nobody die on your watch. While you are calling yourself their friend. And the picture he was painting that as these travelers came through the desert, and all of a sudden they thirsted 
Brother Anthony, and they're looking for a little bit of water, and they find none. All Job was looking for was a little bit of kindness. He wasn't expecting much. He didn't want their money. He just wanted. And you know, when it comes to kindness at that level, you don't need a college degree. You don't need to be the smartest person in the world. You don't even have to have the most money. All you need to do is just be. And sometimes when people are going through, kindness is just being there. You don't have to try to have all the answers because you probably don't. So don't go there pretending like you do. You just go there to be and you don't need to be a PhD to be kind. Again, this is the time of year where people who are going through would rather die than live. So you, as an agent of kindness, be on the lookout for people like that. So that God can use you to be there to show kindness to them. Amen? Enough, enough about Job. We ain't depressed. I know it got real quiet right there. None of y'all depressed. You're, here. You're still living and breathing. So as long as there's breath, there's hope. Amen? So as long as that person is breathing, there's hope. They may be down, they may be low, but as long as there's breath, there is. And the Bible says a living dog is better than a dead lion. In other words, he's trying to let us know as long as a person got breath in their life, in their body, then there's always the possibility for God to do something with that person's life. It's not for us to give up hope on people. Amen? Amen. My last turn, in the book of Matthew, Matthew 25, uh, verse 34 through 40, real quick, this is probably familiar passage scripture with most of you all. Uh, in chapter 25 of Matthew, Jesus was telling several parables, uh, clarifying uh, in the, what was going to occur in the future uh, when he returned. And he was telling these parables to prepare those who he was leaving to be ready for his return. So he told a parable of five wives and the five foolish virgins. You know, some had the oil, some didn't. But the intent was they shouldn't, they didn't know when the bridegroom was coming back. They were supposed to be ready and be prepared for his return. Then he told the parable about, you know, the wealthy man, the landowner who went off, and he gave his servants talents, some five, some two, some one. And the intent was that while he was gone, they were supposed to faithfully use what he had given them so that when he returned, the investment that he made in them would have grown. And so after he told that about the talents, then he now talks about the future kingdom and when the king returned, and he used the analogy of Wayne of sheep and goats. And he makes it look like some folk going to be looked at as goats and some folk going to be looked at as sheep. 
and the determining factor of how the king see them is what did they do for other people. Y'all need to say amen. <laughs> I'm talking to somebody online right now. This little piece right here is to get the goat out of you. Just to get the goat out of you. I'm just talking to you online. I know you got a little goat in you. And, and pastor, stop right here to help you get the goat out of you. Because I want you to be a sheep when the king come back. Amen? Everybody here say amen because I ain't talking to y'all. Y'all are a bit grieving. I'm talking to the person online. I ain't talking to y'all. So, 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 so y'all already sheep. Y'all sitting there. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You know? <laughs> Charlie don't point at least like that. She's she, 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 she a sheep. I'm going to give her a benefit of the sheep. Because I think she meets some of the criteria here to be a sheep. Now look at this. So Jesus started talking and he was talking about how they respond to people who are sometimes in unfortunate situations or circumstances. And see, as agents of kindness, we should be doing acts of kindness when we find people who are in situations described here. Amen? Look at this. In verse 34, he says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, somebody say right hand, the right side, the place of honor. Uh-huh, the place of honor. Then, you know, you want to be on the right side than the left side. I understand now, maybe my mom read that in the Bible, and she didn't want me to be left-handed. Maybe she just didn't understand. He wasn't talking about left-handed and right-handed people, how you write and throw balls and all that. But when she said this right side, you know, the Bible always talks about the right side. So my mama went out of her way to do everything she could to make me right-handed. Put glove, put a glove on my left hand, did everything. Tried to make it, but it didn't work. I, I still ended up left-handed. Ain't nothing wrong with being left-handed. Because left-handed people can be kind too. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Kindness ain't got nothing to do with whether you're left-handed or right-handed. So don't look at this and say, okay, your kindness will determine whether hand you're gonna, what hand you're going to be on. And so what you need to understand, he says now, because you're on the right hand or to his right, he says, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation. Man, kind people got something that has been prepared for them before the world was even created. And if it's an inheritance, that means, Brother Wilson, it's already there. It's already in the possession of someone who own it, and they have made it an inheritance for you. Brother Wilson, what your children are going to inherit from you, for the most part, you already, you already got it. Something happened to you today, God forbid, they ain't got to go try to find it. You already, amen. Those of you who have children, you ought to already have something from the foundation of their life. When you gave birth to them, you ought to have something that they can in. I know y'all didn't want to hear that today. Yeah. You got to have something for your children to inherit. From the day they pop on this scene, you ought to have 
for them to inherit. When children know what's in store for them and what they have as an inheritance, it can change the way they act. If you don't let them know that they got an inheritance, they may think you ain't worth nothing. Let me say that in a nicer way. See, we think our children just value little things. Sometimes they know cars get old. And by the time you die, it's just barely running for you. So we're not living to leave our children on cars. You ought to be living to live, leave your children something that appreciates and not depreciates. The minute you drive off a lot, a brand new car is lost 10% by the time you turn the corner. And every day it gets cheaper. It's time for some of y'all to come out of these apartments. It's all right to have a starter apartment, but every now and then you need to get to the point where if you're going to pay somebody $800 for rent, you can, well, okay, I'm, okay, that's low, that's cheap, okay, so <laughs> that's way low. Okay, y'all help me out, I don't know, I ain't paid rent in a while, I ain't, you know, I, I ain't paid rent in a while, so, 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 so two times, if you're going to pay somebody $1,600 or more for, for a one-bedroom apartment with a bathroom and a half, you might well go and put four hundred more dollars in and buy your house with two and a half bathrooms in it, so that when something happened to you, your children got it in. So the king has an inheritance for you, and because you know he has an inheritance for you, then guess what? It ought to change the way you live when you represent him. If your children know you have something to leave them, it may change the way they live while they represent you. Amen. Because they know that wills are documents that can be changed. Y'all think they don't know that? I'm saying that as if I think all oh, y'all got a will. <laughs> See, some of y'all sitting here with children, and you ain't even got a. You you ought to at least have a will, so the children ain't got to fight over what you got. we're talking about inheritance and I'm believing I'm speaking to a group of people who got something that they're going to leave to their children so you might as well get your inheritance and all that stuff in order amen God, what that got to do with the king coming but I'm just telling you 
the word inherent just kind of jumped off at me. It wasn't in my notes. I just decided to talk about it. Do y'all give me some liberty right there? Amen. I appreciate that. And look what he says. I'm going to get to my point. He said, now, you can inherit something uh, that has been prepared from you, prepared for you from the creation of the world. Then what he says here, it's kind of strange. He goes right down this laundry list. He says, now, the king says, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Now, the people that he was talking to, the righteous, they weren't stupid. They knew you'd never see a king in that predicament. There's no king that got a kingdom and he's going to go hungry. There's no kingdom that got a kingdom and he's going to be naked. He ain't going to be no king. There's no king that's going to let his own system put him in jail when he make all the laws. So these people thinking, how in the world could we have seen the king like this? Because that is definitely not how a king lives. Hungry? Naked? He may get sick, but if he gets sick, he ain't going to tell us. We ain't going to be there. He got all them doctors around him. Prison? Not likely. We can't even put presidents in prison. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you can't even put a president in. In America, you know, if you can't, if you can't put a president and he got other parts of the government that pulled to help him out, you definitely can't put bold. I'm the king. You think I'm going to let y'all put me in prison? That just don't make no sense, Lise. Look at this. Verse 37. Then the righteous one will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? They knew that obviously the king must have been talking about something different. Because they never saw him like that. But now he told them they have been blessed from the foundation of the world. They have an inheritance. And that inheritance is because they did all these things. This list is not inclusive of everything that we can do to be kind. So now this is what the king says. He says, and the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it unto me. You can look at that two ways. The king saw everybody as an extension of himself because, after all, he runs the kingdom. And it was his responsibility to take care of the people in his kingdom. And so he was telling them that any time 
you were taking care of some people in my kingdom who were in need. You were acting on my, you was acting as my agent in the kingdom. And because you acted as my agent in the, in the kingdom and you did it well, then I'm going to make sure that you are blessed for being kind to people on my behalf. And we are those same agents today. There are people that we know that are hungry, without clothes, in jail, whatever. We know some people in those predicaments. And instead of waiting on someone else to be the king representative, you need to see yourself as the king's representative in the earth. Simple things that you may be able to do, especially in a jail system. If you can't visit, they may have a pen pal system where you can just send somebody a little commissary gift. You know somebody. Do some kind. You know somebody's sick and you don't want to go visit them? Door dash them something so they ain't got to cook. You know, send them something. Ain't that door dash that the right way to say that? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can get that. Kind. Speak to strangers. You ain't got to invite them to your house. But at least speak to them. Ain't nothing wrong with speaking to people. And man, when someone is, you know, thirsty and you got water, just give it to them. The key thing you got to understand when it comes to spiritual thirst, you have the water that you can give them where they will never thirst again. That can be an act of kindness when you introduce someone to Jesus, the living water. But once they get him, they won't ever need another God. They won't ever need to find out 10 people to pray to. Their life's going to be narrowed down to him and they can serve him all because you introduced him to them when they were in need so be good agents of kindness this is the season this is the time where you can do it and people will be open to it because they're conditioned for people to be kind during this time of the year but you can add Jesus to your list of kindness Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, we thank you for your message of kindness. God, and we pray that because you were kind to the ungrateful and the wicked, that God, we could do likewise. So put that spirit of kindness in our hearts. But with every head by and every eye closed, we have several appeals that we want to make. Our first appeal is for salvation. If you're here and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, God was so kind when he sent him to die just for you. So if that is you, if you're online or you're in the house, please raise your hand or send us the iMessage to let us know, and we would gladly 